as you just saw, for the last two weeks, I have been victimized. I have been embarrassed. And what does our brilliant general manager do? He forces me to defend my ECW championship and no way out against Finley. I think you would all agree with me when I say that is unfair. I am the victim. Despite that, I'm gonna take care of Finley at No Way Out. And the reason I'm gonna do that is because I'm gonna take care of the real problem. But I'm not waiting for No Way Out. I'm handling this business tonight. So Hornswoggle, I'm calling you out right now. What? Calling out Finley's son, Hornswoggle. Make it easy on yourself, you little troll. Come out here and face me like a man. What kind of a man? Your dad can't save you now. It's Christian. This moment has just become instantly classic. Christian has returned. the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! I am the voice of the voiceless. Do I have everybody's attention now? Sorry about your damn luck. I deserve one more match. It's going to be the end of the world as you know it. Welcome back, folks, to another electric edition of WrestleRant Radio right here on EC Radio. It's your host with the most, Bleacher Report featured columnist Graham GSM Matthews. And speaking of such, I am joined by a fellow BR featured columnist here today. Um, he's been writing for the site for as long as I've known him. Uh, I've been writing for the site since 2010. He's probably been writing a hell of a lot longer than I have. One of the top-notch writers on Bleacher Report, one of the biggest fans of Doctor Who that I know. Um, we've got Chris Mueller on the line here today. How's it going today? Hey, Chris. I'm doing great, Graham. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, no problem. We've been trying to get Chris on here for quite a while now, so I'm uh, very glad we were able to get him on today for such a jam-packed episode. We're going to be talking about Monday Night Raw from last night. We've got everything going on in the world of wrestling from the um, rumored dates, the rumored returns of, to the WWE of The Undertaker, Hulk Hogan, the potential signing of Sting. So much going on in the WWE right now, in the world of wrestling in general. But of course, before we even go on to that, just per the clip that I aired right before we went live, it's just hard to believe that it was five years ago yesterday that one of my all-time favorites, WWE superstar Christian, returned to the WWE on the ECW brand. Um, of course, I just aired the audio from when he first returned five years ago yesterday. doesn't feel like it at all. But just a classic quote from Todd Grisham on commentary, it's Christian. Just that enthusiastic tone that he said it in was just absolutely 
absolutely hysterical. I watched it at least three times yesterday, um, just honoring the anniversary. But nonetheless, before we go on to Monday Night Raw and all the other stuff that I mentioned before, I just want to talk briefly about a New England Championship Wrestling show that I attended just as, just as past Saturday night. We talked about it a lot last week with my special guest, Antonio the Promise Thomas. We went and do an in-depth interview, got a lot of good reviews from it. So everyone who tuned in last week, thank you very much. Um, but it was indeed a great show. It was headlined by an NECW Heavyweight Championship matchup. We had Slick Wagner Brown stealing the title from the undefeated Sean Burke and Antonio the Promise Thomas himself. A great matchup. The arena exploded. The Cove Community Center right here in Beverly, Massachusetts, when Slick Wagner Brown won his first NECW title in nearly 13 years since 2001. So that was an awesome moment. Um, we also had another title change when Dirty Money, I believe his name was, defeated Damian Wayne for the Dog Championship. And yes, that was the name of the promotion. I wasn't aware of it, but it was also a great matchup. Just a very fun night in general. I was able to talk to the promoter, Sheldon Goldberg, at the show. I was able to talk to Antonio the Promise Thomas in person. Um, we will be getting other stars from NECW on here in coming months. So look forward to that. And as I always say on here, I've been preaching it since the beginning. If you live in the area, in the Beverly area of Massachusetts, you should be going to these shows. They're an awesome time, very very family-friendly. Um, for it, It's just fun for all ages. So if you're in the area, make sure to check it out. The next show will be on March 8th. Um, right here at the Cove Community Center in Beverly, Massachusetts, right down the street from Endicott College. So make sure to check it out. And for more information, make sure to check them out on YouTube and at their website, necw.tv. So with all that being said, right now we'll move right along into the news section of uh, before we get even into Raw, because there's a lot of stuff going on right now in WWE, um, but more so in the dirt sheet, so to speak. Nothing confirmed, but as of right now, we are... 13 days away from the debut of the controversial, the revolutionary WWE Network. But also on that very same night, it's been rumored that we will be getting the return of Hulk Hogan to the WWE for the first time since the 15th anniversary show in December of 2007. So that looks to be very exciting. Like I said, nothing confirmed. So if he doesn't show up, don't be disappointed. But I personally am extremely excited to hear Real American once again. So, Chris, i got to ask you, what are your feelings about Hulk Hogan finally coming back to the WWE in just a few short weeks? I mean, I, I obviously grew up on Hulk Hogan like a lot of people. I will forever be a Hulk fan. He is the one pro wrestling autograph I actually have in a frame. And I, I'm all for him coming back to WWE. Obviously, a match is out of the question, but just a return in some kind of non-wrestling role as a host or as a commentator, as a manager, whatever it may be, I'm all for that because Hulk Hogan is still a big part of pro wrestling. and I'll never be unhappy when Hulk Hogan's involved. Couldn't agree more. I think a match definitely is out of the question at this point. It's been rumored that he hasn't been medically cleared to compete, and I personally don't want to see him in a match either. Um, this guy can't wrestle. If he saw his last matchup, I think, and if it was in TNA, it must have been at Bound for Glory, maybe at 2010, almost four years ago, and that, that was four years ago, and he's gone through a lot of surgery since that point in time. Um, it's just ridiculous. I mean, this guy can't wrestle, let alone walk to the ring without struggling. So, yes, most definitely a match is out of the question. I see some people tossing around the idea of Cena versus Hogan. Not in a million years. Maybe five, six years ago. Maybe at that point in time. Definitely not now. But even still, like you said, Chris, um, bringing him in as a host like they did with The Rock at WrestleMania 27, which did tremendous business, um, is a great move on, uh, on WWE's part. 
as of right now, there's been a lot of rumors going around as to what he's going to be involved in. There's been speculation that the main event of WrestleMania 1 was going to be inducted in the WWE Hall of Fame. I don't really want to see that happen. I don't really see what the purpose of that is. It's a main event. Um, they should only induct people for right now and celebrities and whatnot. So I don't know if that's going to have anything to do with it or maybe the fact that uh, the Ultimate Warrior is going to the Hall of Fame. Maybe he he's going to be the one to induct him. And, of course, he's being brought back to hype up the WWE Network, debuting that same night. But as a potential storyline at WrestleMania, nothing is set in stone at this point in time. So, Chris, i got to ask you, who do you see him mixing it up with at WrestleMania? Of course, not an in-ring role, but what do, you role, what, what do you foresee his role being at WrestleMania? Who do you see him crossing paths with upon his return? Well, Hulk Hogan and John Cena will obviously have some kind of interaction at some point just because John Cena is in that role now. You know, he's he is basically the Hulk Hogan role. Steve Austin was in that role for a while. Uh, you know, during Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels days, they were in that role after he had already gone to WCW. So he's going to obviously interact with Cena, but I think they're going to try and capitalize on this whole Daniel Bryan phenomenon, and they're going to try and have Hulk Hogan win over any of the fans who might be a little jaded by having Daniel Bryan show respect for him. It'll be something like that, but I, I just see him more as being there for the sake of his, his name and just being the guy who they have backstage segments with every once in a while. I don't see there being a big feud or storyline revolving around much, just you know him kind of saying hey to people and either getting the brush off or getting respect. This is going to be dipping into the Raw review just a bit, but um, it's been teased in the last two weeks or so that Jack Swagger of the Real Americans tag team might be the one to turn babyface and not Antonio Cesaro, which would be a major mistake given the fact that Antonio Cesaro, as proven last night on Raw, is the way more over of the two, um, especially with hardcore fans and even with the casual fans. They love the Cesaro swing, so... I personally think that he could get over huge as a babyface, so hopefully Cesaro is the one to turn and not Swagger. But that being said, and with the tag team on their way to splitting either before Elimination Chamber or shortly thereafterwards, because Cesaro will be involved in the Elimination Chamber matchup, I've got a question for you, Chris. Do you see a potential Hulk Hogan involvement in a Swagger versus Cesaro feud at WrestleMania? I'm sorry, at WrestleMania, um, a Hulk Hogan in the corner of Jack Swagger if he was a babyface, or Hulk Hogan in the corner of Cesaro, possibly helping him get over huge, and then you have Coulter in the in, in the corner of Swagger. Maybe something along those lines. I think it would be a very interesting way to use Hulk Hogan because Swagger and Cesaro both need that rub. I mean, they're both very, very talented, but neither of them have ever really gotten over big with the WWE audience yet. Cesaro's had some good feedback from the crowd when he does his exciting moves like the uppercut and the Cesaro swing, but he still doesn't get the pop when he comes out for his entrance. So he isn't really truly over yet. And I think Swagger just the fact that he's been in WWE so much longer and has never been a babyface would be very interesting to see. And I like Cesaro as a heel. I think he works well as a heel. And it's probably not a bad idea to go with Swagger. But like you said, Cesaro, when he gets those moves, the crowd just goes nuts. And it would be really, really easy to just go with him as the babyface in this situation. And if that's the case, 
whoever Hulk Hogan is in their corner, Hulk Hogan is obviously going to be able to help that guy just a little bit. And, you know, it's going to help everybody involved, really. Yeah, I was thinking the same exact thing. Jack Swagger has been in WWE since uh, maybe late 2008, I think it was. So nearly six years. And like you mentioned, he has never been a babyface up to this point. But like you said, Cesaro gets the more he, he's the more over of the two. He's not extremely over at the at the moment, like you said. But um, in due time, I think he will be. I think it's still too soon to break up the tag team itself. Um, because like the primetime players, I think they have massive potential to be great WWE tag team champions. Instead of letting the titles ride away at the waist of the New Age Outlaws who were involved with uh, Betty White and crappy comedy segments. Nothing against Betty White, but what we saw last night was just garbage. But nonetheless, I'm hoping that that just, that just leads into a tag team title run for the Usos, either at WrestleMania or Elimination Chamber or whatever. But back on the topic at hand, um, I would like to see them stay, a while, stay together for a little while longer. But if they do plan to split them up, like you said, it's going to be very interesting to see which one of the two will be the one to go babyface. But, of course, Hulk Hogan won't be the only person returning on that night, or reportedly, at least. At least, um, it's been rumored that The Undertaker could also be returning on the February 24th edition of Monday Night Raw, one night removed from the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view on the launch of the WWE Network night. So, with that being said, The Undertaker also made his return on that very same night. Um, I believe it was three years ago when he confronted Triple H on their road to WrestleMania, so it looks like Undertaker's going to kick off his road to WrestleMania storyline the night after the Chamber, which makes a lot of sense, because last year he didn't do that, because last year I think he waited maybe a few weeks until um, an old-school Raw or something. He waited until March, which was... Way too late in, in that point in time to build up his feud with CM Punk, so I'm glad to hear that he's coming back a little earlier this year. But um, with all that being said, and Brock Lesnar is also being advertised for that night after Raw, and that he isn't being advertised until maybe WrestleMania. I, I'm pretty sure he's going to appear at some point in between then, but as of right now, he's advertised for that night after Raw, despite not being involved in the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. So that being said... Chris, do you see Undertaker Brock Lesnar mixing it up at WrestleMania? Do you see that feud kicking off the night after Elimination Chamber? Or do you see Undertaker taking a completely different direction on that night upon his return? I mean, I think everybody is pretty much under the impression that it's going to be Brock Lesnar versus Undertaker. So it would make sense on the launch of the WWE Network to start a big storyline like that because we already know what the WWE World Heavyweight title storyline is going to be, essentially. I mean, unless there's some big change that hasn't really been predicted, Orton's probably walking out with the title at Elimination Chamber. It'll probably be him and Batista, maybe Daniel Bryan thrown in there somehow. But, you know, Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar is the feud everybody seems to think is going to happen. I personally would love to see somebody a lot, you know, totally unexpected, like, you know, even I'm not Roman Reigns at this point, obviously, but somebody like that, like a little younger, who even if they lose to him, is going to get more out of it than Brock Lesnar would. I mean, I don't think Brock Lesnar is going to get anything out of a loss to the Undertaker at this point. So it would be better to give it to somebody else, but it's probably going to be Brock Lesnar and Undertaker right after Elimination Chamber. A dream match for a lot of people has been the uh, the John Cena versus. Undertaker match at WrestleMania, and of course it's being that's it, it, a little far fetched at this point, given the fact that John Cena is pretty much locked into a match with Bray Wyatt 
at WrestleMania. So that being said, if it's not going to be Brock Lesnar, um, it, it more than likely will be, but in a dream scenario here, and it won't be John Cena, could you see someone like a Sheamus, who just recently returned, has been putting on great matches since his return in the Royal Rumble matchup, has yet to confront The Undertaker, as I don't think they've ever done anything since... Uh, Sheamus came into WWE five years ago. Could so could you see that as a potential possibility to go with at WrestleMania if Sheamus was maybe to turn heel? I, I would. I would. That's that's actually a great idea. I would love to see Sheamus versus Undertaker, and I I would love to see Sheamus as a heel again. I always thought he could get over the baby face when he was a heel, and I think he did that pretty well. And if he were to turn heel to face the Undertaker. I think that would be a really good program, but I don't think he necessarily needs to turn heel to feud with The Undertaker. I think at this point, even a babyface can go against The Undertaker. It's, it, you know, it's The Undertaker, but yeah, Sheamus would get so much more out of it in the long run, even in a losing situation at the end of the match, than Brock Lesnar will. Oh yeah, he can definitely still be a babyface in the matchup. I just think it'd be more interesting if he was uh, a, a heel going into the matchup. But of course, a, an issue with that is the fact that with CM Punk on, it leaves a huge um, vacant spot atop the roster as one of the top babyfaces. And Daniel Bryan was already there. John Cena was already there. Sheamus just recently came back as trying to fill that spot. But um, if he was to turn heel, maybe Cesaro or Swagger takes... That, that Sheamus spot, I'm not really sure because right now everything's kind of up in the air as to who's turning heel and who's turning face, whatever. But um, even still, I think it's a case like Randy Orton because remember, Randy Orton was a face for maybe three and a half years before turning heel last year at SummerSlam. He was extremely over with um, a majority of the audience. I remember going to a Raw last June and um, during a tag team match, I think he was tag teaming with Team Hell No or something. He was doing his regular offense against the Shield and the crowd was just going berserk for this guy. And, I mean, his character, like Sheamus, is much more interesting as a heel. He, he, his matches are essentially the same and whatever. Um, if not, I, I think his match is probably even better as a face, but that's getting besides the point. I think his character is much more interesting as a heel. Sheamus, that is. Um, he's a great worker. We all know that. But maybe with the possibility of turning him heel could spark up the feud and make it even more interesting because, obviously, you put the two in a ring together at WrestleMania, um, Undertaker's the one that's going to get the louder pops and Sheamus will. But even still, I'd much rather see that, like you said, um, as opposed to Undertaker-Lesnar, which we have seen before. And granted, it was 12, 11 years ago, whenever the last time they faced off was. But um, even still, it's a match that we've already seen before, for one thing. And, and Brock Lesnar, as we've seen from his recent matches with the likes of Cena, Triple H, and CM Punk, he works an extremely physical style. I don't know if his style would, would mesh with that of the Undertaker's at this point in his career. Um, I wouldn't be down on the match, uh, the idea of the match happening at WrestleMania, but like we just talked about, I think Sheamus versus Taker could be fresh and could be that much more interesting. And... As it goes for another former um, TNA superstar coming over, or TNA wrestler, superstars for WWE, um, a former TNA wrestler coming over to WWE at WrestleMania is Sting. Sting, uh, his TNA contract expired a couple weeks ago. Um, he was written out, out of TNA storylines at the start of January, and it is believed that he will not be signing back, because right now, it's all up in the air. This happens every single year. We saw it a couple years ago. Like I said before, the night The Undertaker returned after Elimination Chamber, the, the night right afterwards, everyone thought it would be staying based on those promos, 
and um, and it wasn't Sting. It was the Undertaker, of course. So three years later, it's the same exact situation. Sting is pretty much a lock to coming to WWE. Like I said, it's nothing's um, been confirmed. I won't believe it until I see it. Until we see a promo for him, or we see him confirmed for the Hall of Fame, or just makes a random appearance, either on Raw or at WrestleMania, whatever it may be. But that being said, it's pretty much confirmed that if he does come over to WWE for WrestleMania, he will not be wrestling. So I think we can all write Undertaker versus Sting. Um, we could scratch that out as a possibility. But um, that being said, what do you, what role do you see him portraying at WrestleMania? Do you see him interfering in the Undertaker's match, potentially teasing a uh, a showdown between the two in next year's WrestleMania, much like they did with Rock and Cena a few years ago? Um, do you see him being inducted in the Hall of Fame, inducting the Ultimate Warrior? What do you see him doing at WrestleMania? Well, as far as going into the Hall of Fame goes, this is there's always a headliner, and this is Warriors year, and Sting is a headliner, so he'll go in on his own year. I don't necessarily see him... I don't see it as an impossibility that he could still be in a match. I just can't picture anybody who it would be with at this point. Because if Undertaker is taken up with Brock Lesnar or Sheamus or whoever, then that really doesn't leave anybody that Sting would have a great program with, other than maybe somebody who he has history from WCW with, like maybe Big Show. I don't necessarily think Big Show is the kind of guy they would use for Sting's big WWE debut, but, I mean, that's the only direction I could see them going is is somebody from WCW who Sting actually has interacted with in the past and could have a decent storyline with. None of the new guys can produce a decent storyline with Sting because there's no history there. Exactly. The Undertaker at this point in time is the only opponent that makes sense. So having him face, and like we said, having him face the Undertaker isn't completely 100% out of the realm of possibility, but it, at this point in time it is, um, since they would have probably started building at this point in time already. And they should have a long build. They shouldn't give him a month like they did with Punk and Taker last year. That was why that was the death of that feud, because they didn't have that much time. They only had maybe four weeks tops. And then they had an amazing match, of course, but that completely overshadowed the uh, the. Uh, the disappointing feud that it was, thankfully. So, that being said, WrestleMania next year, WrestleMania 31, I think is in Santa Clara in California, which is where Sting is from. So, it's been reported that he could be a potential headline, like you just said, Chris, for next year. Um, since he is a top headliner, we already have Jake the Snake. We already have um, the Ultimate Warrior. We have Lita now, who's a nice undercard, so to speak, inductee for this year, which we will get to in a minute. But um, I think maybe, you know, teasing it up and maybe doing it a match between The Undertaker and Sting, that dream match that everyone wants to see for, for next year's WrestleMania, could be the next best thing to having him to not having him in a match at WrestleMania this year. But um, maybe you just put him in some vignettes, like they were going to do with the, uh, the 221 things a couple years ago, with the vignettes that they had him in that. Um, because obviously maybe uh, the children would, of course, not know Sting, and he might not garner that big of a reaction had they uh, you know, aired some video packages. I mean, this is just a stretch, because WrestleMania is, of course, filled with diehard fans, so they're going to react to him regardless. But um, I still think it would be cooler if they built up his debut to WrestleMania. So that being said, though, there was another report going around that issue that was um, that 
teased at the possibility of Sting being a potential general manager for Monday Night Raw, which was mind-boggling to me, if only because general managers on Raw haven't meant anything in ages. We have Brad Maddox. I forgot he was. I, I even forgot he was Raw GM. He hasn't been seen on Raw in so long, and even when he is, he's not doing anything significant. So that being said, do you see the uh, idea of putting Sting into a position as Raw general manager as a good idea? If the role would be more significant, like when Stone Cold Steve Austin was injured and did the GM role or what little bit Shawn Michaels did with it, if it actually had any kind of weight to it, then, yeah, it would be a decent way to use Sting. But, you know, like you said, Brad Maddox and Vicky Guerrero have become so irrelevant as GMs, it's all about the authority now, and... Um, whenever they do have any kind of interaction, they're pretty much either, in Brad Maddox's case, just beaten up or shut down, or in Vicky Guerrero's case, Triple H comes out and either reverses her decision or cuts her off. So having Sting in that role would maybe give it a little bit more relevancy again, but as long as there's a McMahon available to be in power, they're really the one that should be the power figure, just because this is McMahon company and Everybody knows that, and not seeing McMahon in charge is it's just weird sometimes. Exactly. The role of general manager has become essentially has become essentially powerless. It's become essentially useless because they have no power over the authority who pretty much overrules them at every turn. So that being said, I don't think having him as the Raw GM is, a, is the best idea. He was the, uh, the GM of Impact a couple years ago. That didn't turn out too well. Because like with Hulk Hogan, if he's on TV too much, if he's coming out for three segments of show, it's going to lose its mystique fast. And um, a lot, it, it just won't feel special anymore to have Sting. So I think less is more when it comes to Sting. Maybe have him on a show every few months or every few weeks or whatever. Um, especially have them if they have him build to next year's Hall of Fame or match with Undertaker or whatever. But that being said, though, I mentioned Mystique, and that's what his character is all about. I mean, Sting and Undertaker aren't exactly alike, but their their personas and gimmicks are similar to the point where you would like to see a match between the two, where a, where a feud between the two is just uh, it, it's just a dream feud for a lot of people, myself included. So it's like thinking of Undertaker as the Raw general manager, which is kind of strange. So that's what I see when when you say Sting as Raw GM, it just it just kind of feels like an Undertaker as Raw GM, which would be awkward all in itself. So that's why I don't think the role the Raw GM role for Sting would be the best fit for him. But you know, if he's in WWE and they use him wisely, then uh, then that's all that matters. And remember, that's the whole reason why Sting didn't go to WWE in the first place because they felt that he was going to be un- underutilized or misutilized, misused when he was in WWE. So hopefully, they don't do that if he eventually comes over. And also on that note, um, it's kind of been a TNA theme on this show just a little bit, and we'll continue that theme with Kurt Angle, who went on Twitter. Um, I believe it was a few days ago. I went out. To, I went on his profile maybe yesterday or the day before to check if it was actually true. It wasn't on there, of course. I think he deleted it maybe shortly thereafter. But someone asked him about being in WWE, and he said, Yes, I plan re- to return to WWE someday. And this comes as no surprise to anybody because in recent interviews, when he's supposed to be promoting TNA, he's saying, Oh, I want to face CM Punk. I want to face Daniel Bryan, blah, 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 blah. Um, he says that he wants to be in WWE at some point. And like I said, it comes as no surprise. TNA probably realizes this too. That's why they had him 
inducted into their Hall of Fame just a few weeks ago as opposed to waiting until Bound for Glory in October because his, his contract expires in August. So they probably realized, oh, crap, if he's going to go into the Hall of Fame, we should probably do it now because he might not be around come October. So joining Hogan and Sting might be Angle in WWE before long. A lot of people are saying that, his, um, that he might not pass the physical test or he might not even be able to wrestle a match in WWE. But maybe I, I would like to say maybe one match. I don't think he's beat up to the point where he can't wrestle a match. If Sting can get cleared to wrestle a match, I think Kurt Angle could too. But um, with that being said, what are your thoughts on Kurt Angle poten- potentially coming back to the WWE? Uh, I'm, I don't know if, if I see a lot of selling power with Kurt Angle to necessarily bring in a bunch of new fans or bring back old fans, but I do think that if he was healthy enough to wrestle a match, He's one of those few people that has such a high level of credibility in the business that anything he did with anybody that he put over would really, really help that person, especially like a like a Punk or a Brian who are considered some of the best wrestlers, like pure wrestlers in the business, and to go over a guy like Kurt Angle, that would just that would be one of the biggest things in their career at that point, and that would be a big positive to it, but I really don't care if Kurt Angle comes back, to be quite honest with you. I know recently he said that he wasn't beat up. He was just having a little surgery, but everybody, you know, they underplay their injuries for the sake of the media. So uh, Kurt Angle coming back to WWE doesn't really interest me, but if it happened, I would be happy to see it. Well, like you said, he doesn't have that drawing power like The Rock did, like Brock Lesnar did. I see him, although he is a top star, of course, he's a former world heavyweight, former WWE champion, um, a headliner for sure. Would he come back to main event WrestleMania? Probably not. Like you said, he's not going to bring in, he's not going to bring a lot of old fans. He's not going to bring them back, or a lot of them at least, like you said. So I see him kind of like a Batista kind of thing. And Batista they're misusing because they're throwing him right away into the main event of WrestleMania, which I think is a mistake. Um, and I don't think he draws enough in order to sell people on the main event of WrestleMania, especially given the fact he's facing someone he's faced a million times in the past in Randy Orton. But I digress. With Kurt Angle, like you said, a few dream matches here and there, maybe just a one-off match. Um, it was reported that he could even be a trainer for NXT, so that's useful on itself. He's done everything there is to do in TNA. Um, he's pretty beat up at the moment, so when his contract expires in TNA in August, um, it doesn't really matter to me whether he stays or goes, but I think the best bet for him would be to leave TNA, um, take a few months off, and then come back maybe for a one-off spot in the Royal Rumble. Maybe you do something for the road to WrestleMania next year. You put him in a match against Daniel Bryan. Um, should he main event WrestleMania, like I said before? Probably not. But, you know, putting someone over, like, in a Jericho-like role, maybe that he doesn't need to wrestle every week on Raw or SmackDown, but he could be there to put over talent and not necessarily be involved in the main event feuds. So, one other news note here, it was confirmed last night on Monday Night Raw that Lita will be going into the WWE Hall of Fame. She joins Trish Stratus, one of her best friends in reality, who uh, was inducted into the Hall of Fame last year. So, that's very cool to see Lita, at the age of 38, no less, in the WWE Hall of Fame. Your thoughts, Chris? I'm very happy to see Lita go in. I'm surprised it happened uh, this soon, just like I was with Trish Stratus, but... I get the move. There's not a lot of 
big, big women names that aren't already in the Hall of Fame. So Lita will at least draw some fans who still actually remember her career. And I was always a big Lita fan. And, you know, I, I, I don't try to factor in people's personal lives into how I feel about them as a wrestler. So the whole thing with Matt Hardy never really bugged me when it came to her. And to see her going to the Hall of Fame will probably be one of the better speeches that night, I'm sure. So I'm, I'm all for it. I, I like Lita a lot, and I think that she will probably have some other kind of small involvement outside of that, just like Trish Stratus did with hers. So it'll be cool to see. I mean, if she were able to come back for one match to go along with her Hall of Fame induction, that would be even better. And putting her against AJ would obviously be the way to go since everyone has seen that clip of her crying at Lita. Exactly. That's exactly what I was about to ask you. Maybe this is the mark in me coming out, but I would love to see a match between Lita and AJ Lee at WrestleMania with or without the Divas title on the line. I really don't think it matters. Maybe you, you can have AJ drop the title to uh, Naomi at Elimination Chamber or whatever because as of right now, she's not cleared to compete. It, there's kind of conflicting reports right now because it's been said that she's going to be ready to go in a few days, maybe then in a few months. So it's kind of confusing what, right now as to when Naomi will be back. But um, obviously Total Divas, they want someone from Total Divas, the cast, to win the Divas Championship from AJ Lee, the longest reigning Divas Champion in history, which is kind of a shame because the Bellas are already out of the question. Natalia, we've seen her go for the belt many times. Naomi, I like Naomi. Um, I think it was you, Chris, that wrote that article on Naomi being the, you know, 2014 being the year of Naomi, correct? Yeah, I did. I'm a big fan of Naomi. I get that she is still very green in a lot of ways, but I see a lot of potential in her. Like, a lot of the same things that I saw when Lita first showed up. She just has that extra little bit of agility and charisma that none of the other divas have that separates her when she hits those those big moves where she springboards in off the ropes or when she does her little dances and, and gets the crowd to pop. She's got something that's really going to take her places. And to see her suffer that injury, that was just really, really sad because it came at such a big time for her when she's clearly being pushed as the competitor or the contender for the title. And I'm really hoping that the reports of her being out for, you know, days to maybe weeks are the way it actually ends up. So she's able to do something with AJ sooner than later. But if it's not her that challenges for the title here soon, it, it really wouldn't surprise me if they threw Cameron in there just to job to AJ until something better came along. Exactly. Naomi has improved immensely in the ring over the last few years since her debut in NXT about three, four years ago. Um, she's definitely oh, been... Cameron. Oh yeah, definitely Cameron as well. I don't think she's improved as well as Naomi in my opinion. In my opinion, but um, yeah, she's definitely come a long way from the uh, Melina versus Alicia Fox days on uh, on, on top yeah. from a couple of years ago. <laughs> but um, even so, if Stone Cold raves about her, because I know Stone Cold was saying some great things about her, because obviously he was on Tough Enough too. If Stone Cold has some nice things to say about her, then she obviously has uh, come a long way since that point in time. But, uh, you know, that being said, I don't think Cameron should be the one to take the Divas title off of her. But like you said, she could be the one to job to AJ for the time being. Um, I'm kind of split on this because I would like to see Naomi win the Divas championship. It'd be pretty cool if she was the one to end the streak of AJ and then you get this big moment for Total Divas. I understand that. but And I don't think they'll save that match for WrestleMania until unless Naomi comes back 
you know, shortly before WrestleMania, but if she comes back in the near future, I don't know how they're going to stretch this feud on for two months since they've already been feuding for a month as it is. But um, an interesting note, though, the Divas Championship, you know, a lot of people might call it a crap championship, but the fact is it has never been defeated, has never been defended at WrestleMania despite being around since 2008. So for well over five years now, it has never been defended at WrestleMania. And with AJ Lee being the focal point of the Divas division right now and one of the most interesting characters in the Divas division in quite some time, um, I think this should be the year that the title makes a card. And I honestly don't think that Naomi versus AJ is a Mania caliber matchup. AJ Lee versus Lita, perhaps, quite possibly could be, like you mentioned before, getting her one last match before going into the Hall of Fame. So either way, I, I would love to see a match, um, at least involving AJ at WrestleMania, whether it's Naomi or Lita or whoever. I just hope to see the Divas title on the line of WrestleMania since the division has been... It's not been perfect, of course, with Total Divas. It's been the whole non-Total Divas versus Total Divas storyline for the last six months now, or maybe even beyond that. Um, it's not the most interesting thing in the world, but... It's far beyond more interesting than it was um, just a few short months ago before AJ won the title back in June. So one minor news note before we go on to some news and notes from Raw. Um, I was listening to Stone Cold's podcast today on uh, Podcast One, and he was talking to the creator of a lot of WWE, WCW, TNA belts, and he also makes belts for UFC, Bellator, and so many other companies. Um, I think it was Ben Milken or, or, or something like that. I can't remember what his name was, but um, he was on the podcast today, and he teased that he is currently working on something for WWE in terms of creating a new championship. So I'm going to get your thoughts, Chris. Do, what championship, if, if this is indeed true, what title do you see being replaced by a new championship belt? Or do you see a new championship like a, uh, a, a Cruiserweight title? I mean, that's a long shot, but a, a new championship being born in the WWE. Well, uh, obviously everybody's heard the rumors of the U.S. and the IC titles getting merged eventually, so maybe they'll do something there. But I think the classic IC title is doing too well for them to move away from that. Personally... I would love to see if they're going to actually keep the WWE World Heavyweight Championship as one title. I would love to see them get rid of the title they introduced with The Rock. I've never been a fan of that title. I'm more a fan of the classic plate designs, and the, the big WWE logo was just as bad as the spinner belt to me personally. So uh, a new, you know, undisputed-type title would be cool, but... Introducing a new title at this point, I don't really think that's the route they want to go. I think they would probably merge the two mid-card titles before bringing another title in, but they have enough talent to do a cruiserweight division, so if that's where they decided to go, I would be on board in a second. Oh yeah, especially with the new network too. They could always make a show exclusive to the uh, to the WWE Network, or if they devoted some time like they did with WCW to the Cruiserweights, um, that could be a potential possibility as well. But um, that's interesting, though. I'd, I don't love the WWE Championship belt, but I think it was far better than the spinner belt that we had for God knows how many years. Um, I thought it was a tremendous improvement over what we used to have. It's not perfect, of course, but um, I, I just thought it was cool that we had the... Uh, the side plates that were exclusive to the champion, they don't have a name tag or the name plate, I'm sorry. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was something different. And um, I just think it's too soon to get rid of that championship. We've been, we were waiting for a new title for I don't know how many years, three or four years. They said they had that thing in, uh, uh, that, that was in the works for, and they just debuted it no more than a year ago. So that being said, I think it's 
I, I don't think it's a great idea to replace it just yet, uh, maybe a few years down the line. And belts take forever to make, so maybe that is the plan. But um, I don't see them ununifying the championships, so I'm not really sure why they still have the the World Heavyweight title still around. So I guess only time will tell as far as that goes. But like you just said, um, a WWE United States Intercontinental Championship, um, a single title would be pretty cool. Um, but like you said, the IC Championship, it, it's, it was brought back a few years ago by Cody Rhodes. I like that better than the old IC title. I like the U.S. title belt too, so I don't know why they just can't carry both. But um, even still, it's going to be interesting to see what is indeed in the works as far as WWE's championship belts go. So with the time that we have remaining, we'll dip into Raw a little bit. We won't go match by match. That would be just extremely boring. So we'll just uh, pick apart some of the key points of the show, starting with the United States Championship match, coincidentally enough. It was Dean Ambrose being called out by Roman Reigns backstage, saying, hey, you haven't defended your U.S. title in a while. And um, Dean Ambrose said, you know what, I'll put it on the line in an open challenge. It was, of course, accepted by the returning Mark Henry. A decent match from these two. Um, It was fine for what it was. The true highlight came afterwards. And, of course, Mark Henry won via disqualification. So Ambrose is still the United States champion. After the matchup, we had the Wyatt family confront the Shield. They nearly came to blows. They were on opposite sides of the ring. Um, Los Angeles was just going absolutely berserk in the arena it was tremendous to watch um the staples center just completely coming unglued in that moment when they nearly came face to face and this was bray wyatt and roman reigns not bray wyatt and seth rollins or bray wyatt and dean ambrose they specifically focused in on roman reigns as the presumably the leader of the shield so that was pretty cool and made for the best moment all night and um i just want to ask you chris what do you see as the future of the Shield? Do you see them splitting at Elimination Chamber shortly afterwards? Do you see a triple threat match at WrestleMania between Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Ambrose? A singles match, perhaps? And, and or do you see the United States Championship being on the line if they do indeed clash at WrestleMania, Ambrose and Rollins and uh, Reigns, that is? Uh, well, I personally have been calling the Shield split on a weekly basis and have been wrong, so I'm just waiting for it to happen, because you can tell it's right around the corner, but as far as how it goes, I don't know if necessarily the whole group is going to separate right away. I think Rollins and Ambrose might continue to do something together, or Rollins and Reigns, but it's going to be Ambrose and Reigns that are going to have some kind of encounter at some point, and I was hoping it was going to be Reigns who was going to challenge him for the U.S. title last night. That was my big hope as soon as they said he was putting out the open challenge. I was just hoping Roman Reigns was just going to turn to him and, and face him right there. But as far as how this match at uh, Elimination Chamber plays out with the Wyatt family, the whole Roman Reigns-Bray Wyatt encounter was really, really cool, and it showed that the fans don't care that it's two heel teams. They just want to see two really good teams go at it. And that's, that's what's interesting, is you never see heel versus heel feuds work, and this is going to work. And with Roman Reigns probably being the one who's either going to pick up the win for the Shield or it'll be Dean Ambrose who costs them the match, and I think that'll facilitate him and Roman Reigns finally going at it. Initially, I wanted to see this matchup between the Shield and the Wyatt family at WrestleMania this year, but of course, I like the fact that we're getting it at all, and it's going to be the catalyst for the Roman Reigns babyface turn, because I was hoping that the Wyatt family 
you know, months ago when I was predicting that this match would happen, everyone was, of course, at the time, that the Wyatt family would kind of be the ones to get inside the heads of the Shield and kind of turn them against one another. And it's kind of happening. And the promos between the two tandems over the last two weeks have been absolutely astounding. So I'm very happy to see that we've been getting this feud and having it booked properly because the showdown on Monday was absolutely epic. And we still have two weeks left until the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. So I'm glad they're keeping the brawl until that point in time, until the pay-per-view. I mean, anything can happen in the next two weeks, but I'm hoping that they you know, keep their hands off one another until the pay-per-view because that's a big-money matchup. Because um, remember, they had their brawl back in November. And I think it was in England that the uh, the crowd just came unglued when they just went at it. That was awesome. So that being said, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I think if Ambrose continues to do the open challenge, that might be the route that we see. A lot of people were saying Rowan Reigns last night. I just thought it might have been too soon to do so. I was kind of hoping it might have been someone like an you know an RVD who was rumored to be backstage last night, who was reportedly meeting with Triple H. Um, it's still unknown if he's going to be coming back for WrestleMania. Probably. Um, I, I just don't know who he would face, though. But um, Or even an Evan Bourne, who I hope to come back last night, who's been ready for quite some time now, who would be a very fitting individual to take the title off of Ambrose. But um, regardless, I'm looking forward to the Shield split. They've been doing it they've been uh, booking it to perfection over the last four months you could even say they've been planting the seeds for quite a while now so I'm looking forward to that six man tag team match at Elimination Chamber as well as Roman Reigns eventual babyface turn because after and and they especially highlighted him last night too because he took out Mark Henry at ringside they had him um, they aired his Royal Rumble dominance um, when he was eliminating people left and right that was absolutely awesome so that was cool to see that he got the big push on uh, last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. So in another match on last night's Raw, we had Alberto Del Rio taking on Dolph Ziggler, a battle of the former foes. And of course, the match lasted maybe approximately a minute, so that was kind of uh, uh, that, that was cheap. I would have enjoyed a much longer match from those two, but we got two, uh, two much longer matches than that earlier on in the night. So I understand WWE pulling the... Uh, cutting it short so i don't i don't blame them for that but what was noteworthy what was happened after the match was when batista came out went directly after del rio and delivered a batista bomb to del rio right through the commentary table which was ominously uh replaced later on the night so i thought that was pretty funny but um even still batista versus del rio has been since confirmed for the elimination chamber card in just a few short weeks has not been the most exciting feud but it has been well built to a point where people do want to see Batista destroy Del Rio, but um, it's interesting because I forgot, I don't know how I forgot to mention this in the the news, you know, session that we were going through before, but um, it was reported mid-last week that Del Rio might be looking to quit the WWE, or leave the WWE, that is, once his contract expires, um, because he feels he isn't being used to his full potential, and um, I, I think the biggest problem with Del Rio is the fact that he was pushed too aggressively too quick. And he's already a four-time world champion at this point in his career, and he's only been in the company for only a little over three years. And he's feuded with everyone from Cena to Orton to Sheamus to Big Show. He's feuded with everybody, and he has no fresh feuds left. So that being said, what are your thoughts, Chris, on the feud between Batista and Del Rio going to Elimination Chamber, and your thoughts on Del Rio potentially leaving WWE once his contract expires? Well, like you said, Del Rio was just pushed way too quickly. He should have been an IC or U.S. champion first. He shouldn't have won the Royal Rumble and the Money in the Bank and all these titles so quickly. 
But he did have a lot of fame coming over from Mexico, and I'm sure that WWE paid for a top star, so they wanted to use him like a top star. But the Batista Del Rio feud, it's it's obviously just to to keep Batista busy until WrestleMania. So it, it's just going to be a, a win for Batista. Del Rio will probably look pretty strong for a few minutes, just like every heel does against every baby face. But it, it's just going to be another Batista bomb and a really, really easy win for him. And if Del Rio does decide to leave WWE, I'm fine with that because there's, like you said, there's just nothing fresh for him to do until they, promote some more superstars to that level and obviously you know del rio versus roman reigns that would be news so that might be interesting but he is at a point in his career and his age where walking away while he can still walk is possibly the smart thing to do if he's got enough money saved up he's a great worker he had an interesting character at first but they've just dropped the ball on him so many times over the last three and a half years that a, lot, that a lot of people have just stopped caring, regardless of whether he's a babyface or a heel. And, and it is sad, because he's only been in WWE, like I said, for only three years, and he's already run through almost every potential feud. I was looking through the roster not too long ago, and I couldn't find any fresh opponents for Del Rio to face, of his caliber at least. He's feuded with almost everybody. Like you said, maybe someone like Roman Reigns when he eventually turns, but who knows when that's going to be official. So, you know, that being said... Um, would I care if he left WWE? Yeah, I would care a little bit. I mean, he's a great in-ring worker, but he doesn't have much left to offer at this point in time. I mean, after his feud with Batista runs its course, and I don't know what the heck he's going to be doing at WrestleMania, and this is a guy that was world champion going into WrestleMania last year, um, I have really no idea what he's going to be doing following his, uh, I, I don't even know when his contract expires. I don't think that was ever made clear, but, um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what Del Rio does after Elimination Chamber, and I posted this question on Twitter a few days ago because I was thinking about this because the whole point in turning Del Rio face last year was that he would be the new Latino baby face of WWE with Rey Mysterio on the edge of retirement, and Mystico is now gone. He was a flop anyway. Hunico is now under the mask, and Del Rio now might now be leaving. So that being said, I ask you, who do you see being or who do you see filling in that Latino spot atop the WWE if Mystico's gone, Rey Mysterio's going to be gone pretty soon, as well as Del Rio? Well, you know, the guy that's under the Sincara mask now that was Hunico, that was also like a different Mystico in, in Mexico, he is is talented enough in the ring to fill that role if they decide that they need somebody to do that. But... I, I don't know if if there's really anybody who has that name recognition of Rey Mysterio anywhere. I mean, Rey Mysterio has been huge since the minute he came to the United States and started wrestling. I mean, even in ECW, people were talking about how this little tiny guy was the next big thing. And I just I don't think they have anybody right now who really could be the next Rey Mysterio. They need to build somebody who's the next different guy, essentially. They can't have anybody who's going to match Mysterio, so they can't really even try. Well, Sin Cara's merchandise is still selling pretty well. Will he be the next Rey Mysterio? Probably not, but I see them keeping the character around, even though Mystico's now gone. I mean, Hunico's still going to be underneath the mask. 
But he's never going to be pushed, though, even though his merchandise is going to be selling well um, probably for the foreseeable future. Someone mentioned to me, though, that um, there's a wrestler right now down in NXT. His name is Kalisto, I think it is. Um, I wasn't familiar with his work. Yeah, Um, I've maybe seen a match or two of his. I I think I saw an appearance by him in NXT. I think he's set to debut in NXT. He, He debuted at the most recent taping, so maybe in March, I think. But um, even still, maybe him at some point. I think he's a very good worker from what I've heard. So uh, if they build him up to the point where he could be a top merchandise seller in, in terms of masks and stuff, um, you know, all the power to him. But like I said, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Del Rio once his contract expires, whenever that may be. But um, moving right along here, we had also on the show Daniel Bryan to come out and confront Kane. The two former Team Hell No buddies were going at it. Daniel Bryan got the better of Kane and came out on top. Now, Daniel Bryan is going to be in the Elimination Chamber match at the pay-per-view in a few weeks. So, a Bryan versus Kane match is pretty much out of the question. Someone told me that he might be pulling double duty and facing Kane also on the same show. So, I don't know what the whole deal is there, but um, even still, it would be interesting. I don't think they'll go that route. I think they'll probably have him face Kane on Raw on an up- upcoming episode of Raw and then promote it in advance and do that, whatever. Um, I think they're just trying to find something for Kane to do since CM Punk just, you know, straight up left the company. But, um, you know, e- even still, I think a Brian versus Kane feud, a mini feud between the two leading into Brian versus Triple H would be fine. If it leads to Brian versus Kane in WrestleMania, I think that'd be a major mistake since we've seen that match a million times. And Daniel Bryan is much more deserving of a higher match on the card. I don't think that's the route that they'll go. It's probably just a stepping stone to Triple H. But um, it's just interesting, to say the least. So your thoughts, Chris, on a potential um, Daniel Bryan versus Kane match, and when do you see it happening? Well, it just it should not happen at WrestleMania. Like you said, Bryan's at a point where he needs something bigger with the, with the kind of reactions that this guy is getting, like the way he just can control that crowd like nobody since Steve Austin. Like, I haven't seen anybody who can make the crowd chant whatever they want, whenever they want, since Steve Austin with what. Like, yes is the new what. And to see him face Kane at WrestleMania would probably be, you know, a decent match, but it would be disappointing. So it's got to happen sometime on Raw. And like you said, if it leads into a feud with Triple H at WrestleMania, then that is fine because at least Triple H is a big enough name for Brian to go against. And if Brian were to go over him, that would be even better. But, you know, who knows how that would ever play out. But, yeah, Brian versus Kane, if it happens, it needs to happen sooner than later. And I think we might see something where Kane somehow costs Brian the match in the chamber. He, you know, breaks into the chamber and choke slams him or something. I don't know. But that'll probably lead to a match like the following night, you know, that'll be their, one of their big attraction matches on the night they launch the network is Kane versus Brian. Exactly. They'll probably do it the night after the chamber. And like you said, maybe you'll have him cost him the chamber match like they did with Punk in the Royal Rumble. Cause he's essentially filling in the spot of CM Punk who was originally sp- scheduled to face Triple H at WrestleMania. But, um, you move, moving right along here in the main event, we had John Cena versus Randy Orton. Um, you know, a solid matchup, but we've seen it a million times before. So it was, you know, essentially nothing new. But Randy Orton, this is his second loss in the last few weeks after losing clean to Daniel Bryan last week and now losing to John Cena this week. Now, you mentioned this earlier on in the show that Randy Orton could quite possibly come out of the Elimination Chamber victorious. But the question I pose is that, and I talked about this last week, was that 
Randy Orton, and not Randy Orton specifically, but the champion in the Elimination Chamber match in 2011, who was Edge, they had one title match that year, and then they had two other matches inside the Chamber match for the championships, for the world titles. All three of those people, Edge, CM Punk, and Daniel Bryan, in 2011 and 2012 respectively, all successfully retained their world championships. So do you think it would, a Randy Orton successfully defending his WWE World Heavyweight title inside the chamber would be detrimental to the Elimination Chamber concept? Do you think it could ruin the concept if he was to come out victorious? Uh, well, I don't know what happened in 2013. There was no title match that year because they just had one that was for the contenders match that was won by Swagger, so that was it. Oh, okay. So, I don't think... I don't think the chamber match would really be hurt by the champions, you know, continuing to retain time and time again. Because I, I mean, I didn't even think about that until you just brought it up. So I'm sure it's probably not in the minds of any of the casual fans. But you know, Randy Orton at this point, they've been just hammering away at the fact that he needs to prove himself. So. I think him coming out of the chamber is going to be a way for them to have him get back in Triple H's good graces and have them kind of be a team again. And it'll be Triple H and Orton versus Batista. And I'm hoping possibly Ric Flair to be in Batista's corner. So it's like, you know, half of Evolution versus half of Evolution. I mean, they've got Flair on some kind of Legends deal, I'm sure, at this point. So they might as well find some way to use him. Yeah, actually, now that you mentioned it, that would actually be an excellent idea. I would love to see that come WrestleMania. Um, I'm hoping the ultimate plan is that we get Batista joining the Authority. I mean, his pops as of late since the Rumble haven't been that great. And even when he first returned, he got a pretty good pop, but it wasn't, you know, on par with what Daniel Bryan's getting at the moment. Um, You know, the returns of, like, Jericho and others. Maybe Rob Van Dam, too. So, I, I don't know. I think eventually he should join the Authority, whether it's now or after the whole movie deal's done with by this summer. And then maybe you have Ric Flair join them too, and you can have an Evolution Authority kind of thing. I'm not really sure because we all saw the Evolution reunion happening um, when the whole Authority even started. You know, when it even started up back in August. So um, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and hopefully that does happen at some point. And I, I think Orton retaining would be way too predictable. I mean, in terms of casual fans, they wouldn't see that as predictable because Orton's been losing a lot lately. Um, he faces Sheamus next week on Raw, which he'll probably lose to as well. But um. Even still, I don't. I don't think it'd be too predictable for them, but predictable for us, sure. And I think it might hurt the pay per view. But then again, they went with Batista, who was predictable as ever to win the Rumble. They went with that anyway. So obviously, that is not in WWE's mind. So as we go off the air, I just want to ask you one last question, Chris. CM Punk. There's been a lot of reports going around as to whether he's coming back, whether he's not going to be coming back. Um, if it's going to be before Mania, the next few months, the next few years, if he's not going to be coming back at all. I just want to get your two cents on the whole CM Punk situation. Um, I'm sort of torn on it a little bit, to be honest with you, because I'm all for CM Punk obviously coming back. I, I still hold out hope that this has all been blown out of proportion and that nobody really knows what's happening and that he's not gone or that it's some kind of, you know, brilliant work that's getting everybody fooled. But I also kind of think in the, you know, I'm one of those people who would never quit a job without a two week notice. So to hear if he walked out with 30 minutes remaining on the show, then that kind of makes me think like, well then whatever, fine. You're not bigger than the company. They don't need you. Like, CM Punk is obviously one of the most over people in wrestling, but 
WWE is bigger than CM Punk. They'll make another CM Punk eventually, and Daniel Bryan is probably more over now than CM Punk was, so they already kind of have that guy with the indie appeal. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, I think... No, no, you, you want to go ahead? No, I was just going to say, it, it's not really a, a thing of... Like, I would love to see CM Punk come back, and I hope all this is just one thing that the IWC got completely wrong and doesn't know what they're talking about, but in the long run, if CM Punk never came back to WWE, then he had a great run, and I don't think it's the end of the world. You said it exactly right. If he, He's not bigger than the company. I'm personally disappointed. I think WWE and CM Punk are both at fault here. I mean, WWE didn't ultimately give CM Punk what he wanted. Should they have? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, that's debatable. But um, he's just pretty banged up. I think that's a leading factor as to why he left. Should he have left without giving them notice? Probably not. I don't think that's the most professional thing to do, but... I mean, that's CM Punk for you. I mean, he, he lived out his contract the first time uh, a few years ago, but he wasn't as beat up then as he is now, so it's under completely different circumstances. Um, it's not about the money, because otherwise he would have stayed until WrestleMania if it was. But um, it's definitely interesting. I don't think it's a work. Um, I think we're past that point now, because, you know, they practically removed him from everything. Um, if it was a work, then they, I don't know if they would have removed him from advertising and stuff. But um, I don't know, because they've mentioned him a few times. I know there was a, vig- a video circulating earlier today on the Internet uh, that the, the commentators mentioned Punk after he was being chanted for during Raw. Um, there was a report last week saying that they might not acknowledge him, that his might not acknowledge his departure until July, which I think it's way too late at that point. Um, the chants are going to die down. It's not like they're hijacking the show. And WWE hit it right on the head last night but, uh, in the sense that if they want the chance to, you know, if they want to silence the chance and they don't want the crowd to hijack the show, then just give them what they want. Should they have Daniel Bryan in the main event every week? Maybe not. I don't think they should give you know give them exactly what they want, everything they want. Then Tyson Kidd would be in the main event of WrestleMania every year. But I mean in the sense that if you give them quality wrestling like we saw last night, we got a few brilliant matches last night. We had Christian and Sheamus versus the Real Americans, which the crowd was very much into. We had that awesome six-man tag team match with The Shield, Mysterio. Um, who were the other two? Cody Rhodes and Goldust. Those are the kind of matches that are going to silence the fans in attendance. And L.A. is a very smarky crowd. Not as smarky as New York or Chicago, which will be interesting in three weeks when WWE goes there. But um, even still, I mean, they they were successful in chanting and, and silencing those chants last night on Raw by giving them quality action and giving them something that they could... Uh, to get their minds off of CM Punk. So I thought that was a well-done move on WWE's part, if it was intentional or not. But um, with all that being said, we've hit the one-hour mark, folks. Chris, i got to thank you for being on. It's been a great show. Hopefully we can have you on again. And um, as you're closing out, of course, be sure to plug your Bleacher Report articles, your Twitter, and anywhere else where the fans can find you. Uh, well, yeah, you know, just... Chris Mueller, the doctor on Bleacher Report, uh, at BR underscore doctor on Twitter. And uh, there will probably be an upcoming interview uh, with me and Joey Styles here soon, so keep an eye out for that. Awesome. Very much looking forward to it. Once again, guys, you guys can find me on Facebook at my official Facebook page at Graham GSM Matthews. You can like the page there and follow me on Twitter at, as well at Russell Rant. And uh, you can make sure to send in your questions for the weekly video that I do on my YouTube page 
at Graham GSM Matthews as well. I do the weekly hashtag AskGSM video. Thought I was going to do it here in this show, but I'm going to keep it on YouTube exclusive instead. So make sure to check that out. And of course, be sure to listen to WrestleRant Radio every Tuesday night right here on EC Radio, either through my website at nextairawrestling.weebly.com or right here through the live365.com website um, every Tuesday night, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 Central Time. We'll be right back here next week as we progress on the road to WrestleMania with Elimination Chamber predictions and much, much more. we got a lot of big guests right here on WrestleRant Radio coming up. So we'll talk to you next week. This is GSM signing out. Till next week, guys.